Turn to Philippians 4, please. Philippians, the fourth chapter. Now, if you haven't been with us, we feel for you. (laughs) Well, you know, you build. And uh, if you haven't heard what went before, then you're at a disadvantage a bit. But uh, tapes are available. You can download it for free off the uh, Internet and uh, catch up with us, get caught up with us. But we've been looking at Philippians 4.19, and we've been excited about it and really happy about it. Don't you remember how excited we were about it? About what? But my God. Who's God? My God. My God. Shall supply. Not might. Shall. That's as strong as you can say it. Can you count on it? Shall supply up to 90%. No, A-L-L, all your needs. Well, if all your needs are supplied, where does that leave you? No needs. No ne- Every need met. All your needs according to what? Not according to your job. Not according to the government or the economy. Not according to your position at work. But according to His riches. In glory, by Christ Jesus. That's unlimited, isn't it? Now we went to Psalm 78, and we saw how that the first generation of Israelites that God brought out of Egyptian bondage, they kept failing their faith lessons. And he said, how long will I suffer them and put up with them? You know, Jesus said the same thing when he walked the earth. He said, how long? Well, I put up with this faithless generation, unbelief, particularly persistent unbelief, irritates the Lord. We need to know our God. We need to know what he likes and what he doesn't like. And you can see, I mean, one of the most outstanding things that he, you know, has demonstrated that he does not like and that angers him is hard-heartedness. And refusal to believe. Bible talks about an unpersuadableness. Now there is an unbelief that's due to ignorance. You just didn't know. You didn't believe because you didn't know. But then there's another kind of unbelief. Another word translated unbelief in the New Testament. And it means unpersuadable. It means you've seen it. You've seen it. You've been shown. You've been shown. But still you doubt. Still, God's moved for you and moved for you and moved for you. But like them, every time something else comes up, they went, ah, we're going to die out here. When they should have said, he did it before. He'll do it now. Right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Same God that healed us last time, heals us this time. Same God that met our needs last time, meets our needs this time. And instead of us griping and complaining and getting worried and scared like we've never seen anything, we ought to honor God. And stand up even in the face of seeming impossibility and say, this doesn't move me. None of these things move me. I have been here before. I have seen God move before. I trust Him. 
It's going to be all right. Money will come. Body will change. Right? He is faithful. And he's our source. Now we went into some detail about how that the, you know, knowing God as your source is progressive. And that's an important thing to know. Revelation of God as your source is progressive. And there's nobody here tonight that has arrived in the fullness of knowing that God is your source. A lot of people have barely begun to grow in it at all. But no matter how much you've grown in it, you could grow in it more. And the way you can tell is when you need something, when something comes up, where do you look? Who do you look to? Who are you waiting on to fix it for you? Who are you waiting on to make it happen? So many times people are looking at each other. Pastors are looking at the congregation. Congregation is looking at the pastors. The workers are looking at their employers. Salespeople are looking at people to buy. Everybody's looking at each other. You got to make this happen. But when you believe God, you get your eyes off of men and women and you look up. Right? And you know that you're not limited to what you can produce. Now we said that, uh, what happened to the, you know, the first generation of Israelites that God brought out of Egypt, it parallels our life. And the Bible says those things were written as examples. And we saw that they had three levels of living. There was Egyptian living. There was wilderness living. And then there was Canaan's land living. What was God's choice for them? But they spent 40 years living wilderness level. What's Egypt level living? Egypt level living, they owed for everything. They owned nothing. They didn't even own their own bodies. They didn't have any control over their own life. Now, here's the thing. Did you hear that word control? One reason God wants you to have money is because he wants you to have some control. God does not want somebody else controlling your church. Or your ministry. Or your family. Right? He wants you in control so he can control it through you. Right? He says, well, I want him to be in control. Yeah, but he's got to get you in control in the earth so he can control it through you. If somebody else is controlling instead of you, then and they're not listening to him, then he's not, you know, in control. The Lord, you know, wants us to not just be owing for everything. He wants us to be owners. Owners. You know, people, uh, I got some ugly grams about our airplane. You know, what do you need that for? Well, you want to say to fly. Why would anybody want one? <laughs> Well, why do you need one? Well, we do, but it's not about need. Life is not just about need. There's a whole lot of stuff you could make it without. Hmm? People say, well, it's a waste of money. You could ride commercial and save money for the kingdom. 
Well, y'all could have rode the bus tonight. (laughs) And saved money for the kingdom. Where does it end? And who has a right to tell us? What's right for us? And who has a right to judge his brother or sister as to how good a steward they're being with the resources God is putting in their hand? The Bible tells us judge ourselves. We got a full-time job seeing that we are taking care of what we got in our hand properly. If somebody is wasting resources, that's not really your business. And if you think they are, simple. Don't sow to them. But don't judge. Elsewise, you will be judged. But one of the things, you know, the Lord led me, Phyllis and I, to get into aviation. Just as surely as I'm standing here. It wasn't my idea. In fact, I thought, you know, I had people come up before, and you know, years past and say, we're going to believe with you for an airplane. And I thought, nah, I don't think so. <laughs> and I'd seen people that had them, and it was a burden to them. Uh, I, you know, I'm going to believe God with you for this. And I said, no, no, I'm not ready to. I didn't think I, I would. And man, I mean, the end of 96, I remember it distinctly. The Lord got a hold of me, began to deal with me to learn how to fly and claim an airplane. I thought, Lord, I'm busy <laughs> working for you. I mean, this takes time and it takes money. And, and I got to the point where I knew I was going to be disobedient if I didn't do it. So I did. And to the, you know, it didn't just, you know, happen overnight. I mean, we had to stay on it. We had to sow our seed and stay on it and stay on it and stay on it. And eventually I figured up, you're not going to save money doing this. <laughs> but in the process of time, it took a little bit. But in the process of time, I began to see what was going on. Somebody called, a pastor friend of mine called me one day. We were talking about some things. And he said, Brother Keith, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, such and such has come up and I've got to do this. And my congregation waiting on me to speak to them, you know, this evening. And I said, fine, I can be there in two hours. No way it could have been done on an airline. What's God doing with me? He's putting me in control of my travel. Putting me in control of my time. Did you hear this? Now we're all at different levels of this. But do you understand God wants you in control. He wants you to have a place of your own. Clothes of your own. Money of your own. Vehicles of your own. Stuff right that he can tell you what to do with. And you don't have to ask anybody. Can you? If he tells you to sow it and give it away. You don't have to ask anybody. You don't have to talk to anybody. Amen. He wants you in control so he can control it through you. Can you see that? Yeah. Do you hear that? Yeah. Every area of life. And that's what we've been talking about all week. God's got big plans for us yeah. in all these areas. But we've got to have a big vision. Yeah. And we'll never be able to produce it in our own strength and in our own ways. We've got to get our eyes above us and above any other man or woman and look to him that he can put us in this kind of position yeah. Yeah. of freedom. The wealthy person has choices. The poor person does not. Did you know poor people pay more? The poorest people pay the most for their stuff. The more resources you got, you pay less. 
Someone said, it ain't fair. Life ain't fair. Forget about life. You got God. (laughs) And faith is the great equalizer. Glory to God. Go with me, if you would, to the book of Luke. To the book of Luke 14. Now, we said uh, three levels of living. Egyptian living, which is not enough. Wilderness living, which was just enough. You lived day to day, didn't know where your next meal was coming from. You knew God's going to provide it, but you had to wait for it to fall out of the sky. Right? They lived day to day and, and just enough. I mean, you, you got it, but the, they that gathered much didn't have anything left over. They that gathered little didn't have any lack. Just enough. That's wilderness living. You got a lot of Christians that got saved and they come out of Egyptian bondage and they're living in the wilderness now and they think they're in Canaan's land. They sing like they're in Canaan's land, but it's just enough. They're living check to check. Right? They're living day to day. They're living hand to mouth, hollering about Canaan's land. No, that's wilderness living. But there's another level. What's the next level? Canaan's land is more than enough. It's the land that flows with milk and honey. He said you won't lack or want for any good thing in it. Abundance. Excess. Ownership. Right? He intended for them all to possess their land and all have their own places. And have their own businesses. Right? Be in control. Not somebody's slaves, but have your own stuff. Be in control. Now, uh, in Luke 14, you see a principle here that we're going to get further into tonight. Luke 14. Oh, I told you wrong. Luke 12. Luke 12 And verse 48. Luke 12, 48. He that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with a few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him they will ask the more. The English version says... Much is required from the person to whom much is given. Much more is required from the person to whom much more is given. Does God deal with everybody absolutely the same? No, he does not. How does he deal with you? And what determines his expectations of you and I? It's based... On the light we have. And what we're doing with the light we have. How does God deal with us? According to the revelation we have. And what we do with it. And so that can be confusing to people sometimes. Because they think well you know so and so did that. And it didn't seem like they even got in trouble. And this other person did the same thing. And boy look what happened to them. They got in big trouble. Well, it's a difference of light. 
And to him that has much, then much is expected. But if you have much more, then what? Much more is expected. Now we looked last night at King Asa. Didn't we? And we saw that he had enough light. That when he was faced with an army of a million. He's outnumbered two to one. He didn't blink an eye. He ran straight to God. He stood up and prayed and believed in faith. Didn't he? Didn't look at it. Didn't call on anybody. Went straight to God. And God gave him a miracle. Gave him victory. Gave him wealth. Well then we know what he knows about this. We've seen it. He knows God can deliver you, whether with a little bit or whether with a lot. He's the one who said it. Remember Jesus said, out of your own mouth, I'll judge you. So many times people say out loud what they know. But then knowing it and walking in it is two different things. Well, years passed by, and instead of advancing and moving forward, he went backwards. And next time he needed help in his defense, he just looked to, uh, you know, got out his pocketbook and started writing checks to, the, you know, spending his money. I'll just buy my way out of this and bought an army. Right? And then the prophet of God came to him and said, you messed up. And he got mad at the prophet, threw him in jail. And he oppressed some of the people the Bible said. Next thing you know he's sick. And did the same thing. The Bible said in his disease. He sought to the doctors. And not to the Lord. And he died. Now a lot of people don't like reading that. Because they think. Well that means you're against doctors. Well we've already. We know we quoted from the Psalms. Some trust in chariots. And some in horses. But us. We. We remember the name of the Lord our God. We're trusting in Him to protect us. Well, does that mean you can't have horses and chariots? No, but what does it mean? Don't rely on them. Don't rely on them. Now, in talking about the doctor thing, we have one source. Many channels God uses. We have one healer. Right? One healer. God did not give us doctors to heal us. Nor did he give us banks for our source and supply. He is our source and supply. And he is our healer. Right? Now we've already said. You know, thank God for good doctors and nurses and you know, a lot of folk in this room would not be here tonight if it hadn't been for getting help from good doctors and good nurses. But let me elaborate a little bit on what we talked about last night about this. Asa sought in his disease, he didn't seek to the Lord, he sought to the doctors. Now he has light. He knows God does miracles. He knows God can do anything. He's already been there. He's already believed for it. He's already seen it. But instead of believing God. Now here's the thing. People say well do I go to the doctor or do I believe God? If you go to the doctor you better believe God. 
It's not an either or deal. It's believe God if we go to the doctor and it's believe God if we don't go to the doctor. We believe in God either way. Well, do I go or do I don't go? Well, you got to be led. You say, well, God's my healer. I don't have to go. God's my healer. No, you receive according to your faith. And your faith is according to your light. And so different people have different degrees of light and different degrees of faith. And the Lord knows where we are, and so he's going to lead us where we are. Now, one thing that you'll see, and this is one reason why doctors, some doctors, think they don't like some of us. They just don't know us. They like us if they knew us. (laughs) It's because you got some Christians, faith people, word faith people, charismatic people. And the doctor give them a bad report and they just blare out. I don't receive that. Well, that's not okay. You're in the man's office. You're a guest basically at his place. And the reason people do that, you know, the doctor tells you, well, you know, this is damaged. It'll never work again. Uh, this is so-and-so. It is terminal. There's no hope. And people just scream out, I don't receive that. I don't receive that. I'm not going to die. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to convince their self at everybody around them expense. It doesn't matter what they believe. About your healing. It matters what you believe. About your healing. And people have hurt their witness. By this yelling and proclaiming and decreeing. In public places where it wasn't appropriate. And really the only reason they did it. Is because they're trying to convince their self. They feel shaken. Fear has gripped them. And this is an internal thing with them. And they're making everybody around them pay for it. Somebody tells you something that's bad, you do not have to say a word. You don't have to try to convince them of anything. Did you hear me now? You don't have to stand up in a public place and decree and proclaim. So many times it's just showing your insecurities. You're showing that fear has gripped you and you're trying to get a hold of yourself. Well, you can do that at home. (laughs) And if you are full of faith, people can look at you and tell you the worst things in the world. And you can just smile and say, well, thank you for your time. Because inside you, you don't believe a word of it. And you are absolutely unmoved. You're secure. You're fully persuaded. Do not try to convince people who are not even interested in what you believe and think. It's your body. You believe in for you. Now what I was saying the other night, and I'll reiterate this. When you may need to speak up as if a medical professional insist on trying, you know, they've had some lessons in psychology as well, and so they insist on trying to make you accept your hopeless condition. 
Because they think it's unhealthy for you psychologically to be, as they say, in denial about what's really going on. And so they just push you and push you. There are times when you need to say, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sir, I appreciate your knowledge of medicine and your knowledge of the body. And that's why I'm here. And I thank you for helping me. But now you've done stepped over into an area where you're not qualified. (laughs) Telling me what to believe. Telling me how to believe. Well, they've gone to school, you know, for 10 years and learned how. Well, we've been doing this for longer than that. This is our area. Right? This is our area. Believe in God. Getting in the Word. Praying. Standing. They don't tell us that. You understand what I'm saying? No lawyer. No, I don't care if they are Christian. No doctor. No professional. We never just put ourselves in the hands of a man. And say, great, we'll do whatever you tell us to do. No, every time any professional tells you, well, you got to do this or you ought to do this, you don't just do it. You go to your head. You go to your Lord. Right? You ask Him. Never just put yourself in the hands of a man. That includes your preachers. You've got a God. You've got a provider. You've got a healer. Right? You look to Him and you ask Him about every step and about every decision. Right? It might have been right to do one thing. That doesn't mean it's right to do the next three. You remember, David, how that, you know, the Bible said, uh, if you go through and study it and underline it, it's interesting. It's so repetitive. It said he inquired of the Lord. You ever read that? I mean, it says it again and again. And David inquired of the Lord. And David inquired again of the Lord. And David inquired of the Lord. He's always inquiring of the Lord. You think that's a good idea? The Bible talks about serious repercussions when people failed to inquire of the Lord. Didn't even ask. They just did stuff. And there were times when David would say, shall I go up against them? And he inquired, and the Lord said, go up against them. Then sometimes it looked like exactly the same situation. And David, even though he'd been there before, he didn't just assume, I know what to do. He inquired of the Lord again. And the Lord said, no, not this time. This time, go around behind them. Wait till you hear the rustling in the mulberry tree. Every day is a new day. Right? Every day is a new day. Do not just assume you know what to do because you've done it before the last five times. Just because somebody helped you and was right about one thing does not mean you just put yourself in their hands and do whatever they tell you to do the rest of your life. That's one of the greatest things about our new and better covenant. The prophet said in that day, they'll not say every man to his neighbor, know the Lord. He said, they'll all know me from the least to the greatest. We don't have to go to somebody today and say, inquire of the Lord for me. That's why we don't pray to saints. There's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. You don't have to go through any man or woman to get to God and get your answer from God. You come boldly, right straight up to the throne of grace. You, not somebody, you, to get your help 
in the time of need. Get your obtain grace to help you in the time of need. He said, to whom much is given, what? What about to whom much more is given? Well, much more. Now, we were in Jeremiah, and I want you to go there again. Jeremiah, I'll tell you, I didn't finish this up, so uh, go to Second Chronicles. I think you'll get more out of Jeremiah if you do it like this. Second Chronicles 25. You remember what Asa did? How when he should have been believing God that last time around? He didn't. He tried to buy his way out of it. Well, a similar thing here in Second Chronicles 25, but with a different response. Second Chronicles 25. Amaziah, verse 1, was 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. Verse 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Later on in his reign, you'll see why he said that. And uh, verse 5, it says that he gathered Judah together, got his forces mustered, and he found 300,000 choice men. And verse 6, he hired 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel for a 100 talents of silver. That's millions. Well, you can imagine what would it cost today to, to hire an army of 100,000. Not cheap. But he felt like that their, so their forces were inadequate. So he hires 100,000 troops from Israel. Now, see, Israel and Judah were split apart. And at this point, Israel is not serving God. They're into idolatry. They're backslid. They're messed up. And he hires these idol worshipers to go with them. Well, in verse 7, there came a man of God to him saying, O king, let not the army of Israel go with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, to quit all the children of Ephraim. But if you will go, do it. Be strong in the battle. In other words, you better be strong, because God's going to make you fall before your enemy, and God has power to help and to cast down. And Amaziah said to the man of God, but what shall we do for the hundred talents which I gave the army of Israel? The man said, man, I, they don't cash the check. <laughs> you know they ain't going to give me that money back. These are millions and millions of dollars. Millions. He said, what about my money? And he said, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. Think about what's going on here. We've already seen that if you operate in your own ways, you go back. But if you operate in God's ways, you move forward. The longer I go, the more I see it. So many people of God are led by money. They wouldn't want to admit it, but they are. And if you're led by money, you are not led by the Lord. Amen. I mean, everybody knows, you know, what well, the preacher ought not take the meeting based on money. Okay, but what about you? Amen. <laughs> Should you make your decisions based on money? I have seen it so many times. You take a family 
that God called them to a place in a church and plug them in and, and they're feeding and they're growing. God's healed their babies and restored their marriage and they're growing up spiritually and they get an offer for $5 more an hour on the other side of the country. And man, they just pull up and they won't even hardly pray about it. They're gone. Well, of course, you know, I'm making more money. You got to do the best you can for your family. That's led by money. You got Christians love God with all their heart. But they'll get up and they'll drive to a part of town they got no business being to save a nickel a gallon on gas. And here they are in a place where they got no other reason for being there except saving a nickel a gallon on gas. Now on a 20 gallon tank, how much is that? That's a big old whopping dollar. And if you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, then it's hunting season open on you with the enemy. I mean, people have come through the wrong intersection at the wrong place in the wrong time. Drunk driver hit them, tear up the car. They got all kind of physical problems and medical bills. And why'd God do this to me? Were you being led that day? Did you even pray about where to go and what to do? In deciding what house they're going to buy and what car they're going to buy. People make their decisions based on the price. They are led by price. Millions of Christians every day in their life, they don't even pray about it. They don't even check anything else. They check the price. And they follow that price. Then they are price led. Not spirit led. Churches, they're doing stuff. Everybody wants to know, what's the cheapest carpet? What's the cheapest stuff? What's the cheapest we can get it done? The cheapest is not always the will of God. But we can save money. Is saving money the ultimate accomplishment in this life? When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, is the Lord going to look at us and go, well done. Thou good and frugal servant. You save more money than anybody in your community. (laughs) But are not people led? They're led by price. We're not going to ask for a show of hands or testimonies, but it's all the time. Well, here this man has already spent millions of dollars. And what is the man of God telling him? God telling him through the man. Walk away from it. From millions of dollars, walk away from it? Well, yeah, maybe you'll pray next time before you do it. (laughs) But now is not the time to make it worse by doing another mistake. Did you hear this now? Is God so upset about the money? What demand did God say to him? What did God say to him through this man? God is able to give you much more than this. What does that mean? Forget about it. Forget about that money. Now see, that's how God thinks about it. Even big money. You say, God, I already got three billion sitting in the goes, So? He makes planets. A million or two here or there. (laughs) 
trillion or two here or there, you think it impresses him or moves him? Forget about it. Oh, but I'm telling you, Christians, Christians have followed and chased and tried to protect their money right out of the will of God. Right down the tube. I got to protect my house. I got to protect my house. I've worked all my life and I got my house here and I got my, and God said, move. I got my house and I got all my friends. and I, I have seen, I don't know how many people I've seen miss God over a house or a place. It's amazing that people know none of us are keeping any of this. Did you know that? None of us are keeping any of this. When I used to teach at Rhema, there's two students one time was talking. I overheard them in a situation. And one of them was supposed to be testifying about all the stuff that God had given him. Actually, he just bragging about what he had. And he went on and on. It was annoying. And one of the other guys just spoke up. He said, so? He said, your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. Because <laughs> it's all going to melt with fervent heat. Is that right? This is temporary. Everything down here is temporary. And in your heart, you should live in a tent. Like Abraham. Ready to go anywhere, anytime, do anything for the kingdom. For the kingdom. Kingdom. This is not about you being comfortable. And making your life. It's about me and my family and raising my kids. and and No, it's not. No, it's not. It's about the kingdom of God. And you and I are here for a flicker. A flicker. And the only thing that matters is do we do our part to advance the kingdom. That's all that matters. So we want to be at the right place at the right time so we can make the most difference for the kingdom. That's it. Everything else takes a back seat. Amen. Now, you know, it's, you know, I said it, but do you know there are all kind of people who won't do that? No, no, they got their stuff and it comes first and they got their schedule and they're comfortable and we've already spent all this money. Well, Amaziah did it. He separated and he sent them back home. And he strengthened himself and he went out and they won the battle. They won the war by themselves. Which is better? Save your money and be destroyed? <laughs> or walk away from it and get total victory? And be in the will of God? Friend, don't you miss God? Don't you miss God over a house or a place or a job or a career? Don't you do it? Don't you do it? You'll be moving backwards in your own ways. You've got to move forward by faith in God. Jeremiah now, 42 I believe it is. Jeremiah 42 said out loud, I am not money led. I do not make my decisions. Based on price or cost or pay, I do not. I'm led by the Spirit of God regardless of money. Man, it's just a better way of living. 
I absolutely, every time, you know, I decide to accept an invitation or go and do a meeting, I absolutely refuse to even let money come up. Did you hear me? And year after year, it has not been a problem. There's been places I've gone and didn't get enough for gas to get back home. And next place I went, it made up for it a hundred times. But you live free and you don't put pressure on people when you're not looking at anybody anyway. God's your source for you got there. Right? And you're not pulling on anybody for anything and not whining and crying and just a happier way of life. God tells you to go, go. If he tells you to give it away, give it away. Yeah, but I'm not making a profit. <laughs> if I do this more, then I'm not even breaking even. Is that your goal in life? To break even? Well, I must have stepped on something that time. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it'd be all right for me? In considering a meeting to say, now I've got to figure out now that I'm going to make a profit. Or if I, I can't go. Hmm? Oh, sure. You feel real strong about that. <laughs> but do you live by a different set of rules than me? People think they do. But you don't. And again, if you decide, no, I'm not doing that because I can't see how I'm going to come out. Then you just were led by money. Because the Lord will lead you to do things that's going to take faith to do. And you're not going to be able to see how it's going to work. Right? Like start a church with this place with no congregation. How's that going to work? Well, people, I had people ready to tell me all the reasons why it ain't no way it's going to work. I needed to have some wisdom. And get me a little bitty place. And start... And maybe in a year or two, we could move up to a bigger place and have some wisdom. You ever heard that now? Well, brother, you got to have some wisdom. Many a time, that's a subtle thing of saying you got to walk by sight. You got to walk by what you can see, by what I can see. People are telling you, I can't see that, so it ain't wisdom. No, it's a new thing you may not have heard about. Faith, F-A-I-T-H, where you don't see how. You don't know how, but God told you to do it. So you do it. You take steps. Everybody say steps. 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 You take a step and God provides you take another step. You don't, you don't have to see the whole thing. You just take a step. Romans 4 talks about that we are walking now in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham. He took steps. You don't have to see the whole thing. You take a step. Now in Jeremiah, are you there, 42, you'll see an example of this. And hear this with your spirit because this is not just you and me and Branson tonight. You're not here by accident. God's here in us and in our midst. He's got plans for you and I. Big plans. Big plans. I said big plans. Big plans. Good things. And there is no way 
you could do it in your own strength. And with what you know and what you can work up, there's no way. And the Lord is getting ready to tell us some things about the next steps. And one purpose for this week and for folk being here is to get us ready and prepare our hearts and prepare our spirit and prepare our faith so that we respond correctly when he talks to us. And we don't get scared and we don't draw back because he has no pleasure in those that draw back. But that we believe and we say, yes, I don't see how, I don't know how, but I know you. And if you say so, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It is not the will of God for men and women of God and pastors to be, you know, 30 years in the ministry and worse off than they were before they started. Struggle and eke out and barely get by. People try to explain the way. Well, you know, God just chose this hard road for me. He knew I could take it. He did not. He did not. He did not. We're all of us are supposed to be every year increasing, 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 advancing, stronger, bigger vision, more stirred up than we were the year before. None of this talking about quitting. Well, Brother Keith, you just don't understand. I live in a hard place and it's a burn over place and. The best have come there and tried to have revival and couldn't. That's a lie. That's a lie. I don't know. Traveling around, you know, I traveled Brother Hagen for 20-some years. And I don't know different places I've been. People told me, you know, yeah, uh, Brother Oral Roberts has been here and, and Brother Copeland and Brother Hagen. None of them could have revival. And again and again, I, I talked to Brother Hagen about it. He said, I never went there. These things that people just make up. And you know why? Excuses for failure. And excuses to just lay down and do nothing. Because nothing can be done. The best have come and tried. Who am I to try? And I don't want to, you know, get my hopes up. It's just hard getting your hopes crushed. And I've just had them crushed so many times. I don't think I can take it again. Oh, hush. Oh, whiny baby. Get up and be a man. Get up and be a woman of God and, and step out and know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And if you're where you're supposed to be, then you can do what you're supposed to do and God can make it happen. But you cannot let somebody talk you out of it. Tell you all these reasons why it can't happen. And well, you gotta use wisdom. Well, you gotta use wisdom. Well. Say, well, you need to be quiet. (laughs) Obeying God is wisdom. Stepping out in faith is a wise man and a wise woman. Jeremiah, are you there? Get this now, because what we're about to read is about to happen in people's lives. And we want to go the right way with it. Jeremiah 42, this whole book is about backsliding. Jeremiah, the whole thing. God sent Jeremiah to a backsliding people who wouldn't listen. 
But he sent them anyway for a witness. And the Bible said in Jeremiah 42, the captains of the forces, Johanan, son of Korea, Jezaniah, son of Hoshiah, all the people from the least, even to the greatest, they came and they said to Jeremiah, the prophet, we beseech you, let our supplication be accepted before you and pray for us to the Lord our God, even for all this remnant. For we are left but a few of many, and many as your eyes do behold us, that the Lord your God may show us the way wherein we may walk and the thing that we may do. Now see, in those days, everybody didn't have the Spirit. You couldn't tell everybody, be led. So they had to go to the man of God to get him to inquire for. You don't do that today. You don't have to do that today. But they're saying... You know, ask the Lord, what do we do? You see, they had been attacked by the enemy and the country was in an upheaval and shambles and Nebuchadnezzar was on the way and they thought, you know, they're going to be destroyed and the political leaders already have some ideas about what they, you know, think we ought to do, but they thought it'd be good to ask God, which is good. So they said, would you ask the Lord what to do, which way and how? And uh, Jeremiah the prophet said to him, I've heard you. And behold, I will pray to the Lord your God according to your words. And it will come to pass that whatever thing the Lord shall answer you, I will declare it to you. I keep nothing back from you. And they said to Jeremiah, the Lord be a true and faithful witness between us if we do not even according to all things for which the Lord your God shall send to us. Whether it's good or whether it's evil, we will obey the voice of the Lord our God to whom we send you that it may be well with us when we obey the voice of the Lord our God. They said, we'll do it. Whether we think it's good or we think it's bad, we'll do it. Verse 7, and it came to pass after 10 days that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. You know, direction does not always come the same day you pray. But you don't, you should not move until you get your direction. And I found that if it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow. He didn't vacillate and change day to day. And you keep seeking the Lord and keep praying about it and looking at it. You just get more and more sure till you know. Well, he prayed and he called them. And they, Johanan and the captains, all of them came. And he said, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, to whom you sent me, if you still abide in this land, then I will build you and not pull you down. I'll plant you and not pluck you up, for I repent me of the evil that I have done to you. He said, "Uh, you know, I'm grieved over the judgment. And if you'll stay here, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to build you up. What's the word of the Lord? Stay. Be not afraid of the king of Babylon. Oh man, he was mighty. He was the strongest thing on the planet at the time. Of whom you're afraid. Don't be afraid of him, says the Lord. For I am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. Can you count on that? And I'll show mercies to you that he may have mercy on you and cause you to return to your own land. He said, I'm going to deal with him. I'm going to take care of you. You stay. Verse 13, but if you say, we will not dwell in this land, neither obey the voice of the Lord your God, saying, no, but we're going to go to the land of Egypt. We're going to go where? Huh? We're going to go to Egypt. 
Have you heard that before? See, every time something came up again, the folks out in the wilderness didn't have the food to eat, didn't have the water to drink. What'd they say? Ah, you know, let's go back. And in their heart, even the book of Acts, it says in their heart, they turned back to Egypt. And you remember when Moses uh, was up on the mount? And he stayed longer than they thought he ought to? And they got Aaron to make them some calves for what? Lead us back. We're going back to Egypt. We're going back to Egypt. Now, if you go through the Bible and see how many times it comes up, it's just scores of times about going back to Egypt, going back to Egypt. You know it. Going back. What's that a type of? The world's way. The world's system. Man's ways. Now, God's delivered them. He's done miracles for them. But what are they saying? We want to go back to Egypt. Why? It's safe. We know it. Do you know there are people? Numerous times have been in prison for years and they get out. And they want to go back in. No, they don't like it. But it's too strange. And it's too much unknown. And I don't know if I can trust myself. And, and some of them even commit a crime. So they get thrown back in. So it's all familiar. And I know when mealtime is and I know where it's coming from. No surprises. Yeah, but you're in jail. Now see, human nature is that way. The flesh wants it predictable. We want to know what's going to happen. And we want our whole week planned out and no surprises. And we want to know where the money's coming from a year in advance if possible. We don't, no, no, none of this down to the wire stuff. No, no, no. We want to know. But that's not how God operates. He'll open a door and say, go through there. And you'll go, what's on the other side, Lord? And there'll be silence. Because you know all you need to know if you're going to walk by faith. If you have to know all about it and see all about it, then you're walking beside. You're refusing to walk by faith. And he lets it get down to the wire sometimes. And sometimes seeming to be past the wire. He'll, he'll let you get all the way down to the Red Sea with your toes in the water and Pharaoh's horse breathing on the back of your neck. Before the Red Sea parts. But to him, it was never late. It was never in question. He always knew what he's going to do. He was not wringing his hands going, Oh, will I be on time? Will I be up? I hope I don't wait too late. To him, it was never even close. Because he already knew. You didn't know. You didn't know where it was going to come from. And when it was going to show up. And that's where faith comes in. Look what happened. If you say no, we're going to go to Egypt. We won't see war there. We won't hear the trumpet and we'll have bread and there we'll dwell. (laughs) Their forefathers were there for 400 years as slaves. Why would you want to go back? 
It'll come to pass that the sword you feared will overtake you there in the land of Egypt. And the famine you're afraid of, it'll follow close after you there in Egypt and you'll die. That's the way it'll be with you. With all the men that set their faces to go go where? Going to Egypt. Going back to the world. They'll die by the sword and by famine and pestilence. None of them will remain or escape. Now look in verse 19. He said, the Lord said concerning you, remnant of Judah, do not go to Egypt. Go not into Egypt. Say it out loud. Say it out. Don't go to Egypt. Say it out loud. Don't go to Egypt. Say it again. Don't go to Egypt. We might say it like this. Don't go back. Don't go back to Egypt. Don't go back. That's what Asa did. He went back to the way men do it. He went back to the way he used to do it before he even knew about faith. And he failed. He said, don't go. Certainly I have admonished you this day. You dissembled in your hearts when you sent me to the Lord. You said, pray to the Lord for God for us. And whatever he says, we'll do it. He said, you were lying when you said it. Right? Because see, they had already made up their mind what they wanted to do. They just wanted the preacher to confirm it for them. You see that? In order to really get the plan of God, you've got to be willing to hear something your flesh thought it didn't want to hear. John 7, 17, we won't turn there, but one translation says, If any man wills to do his will, he shall know whether the teaching is of God or man. If you do what? If you will to do it. you got to make up your mind you're going to do it before you hear it. Even if it's something you thought you don't want to hear. There was a time some years ago and my finances, Phyllis and my finances just weren't what they should be. And we struggled and struggled. I prayed. I must have prayed about this particular thing for eight, nine months. Off and on. And the Lord would deal with me about some things I did you know. I couldn't seem to get the answer on it. What to do? One day I'm sitting in our house by myself. Reading. And I put my Bible down. And the Lord dealt with me. I was teaching at the school there. And I was busy as could be. And the Lord dealt with me about going out on the weekends more. Well there were some times I was speaking. 10, 15 times a week. I thought well you know that's enough. And this thought had come up in my mind a number of times about going out. And I thought... (laughs) I don't want to go out. I want to rest on the weekend. I thought, you know, what's that? That's a funny idea. (laughs) And uh, I sat there that day and it came up to me again. And I thought, Lord, that's you. I have not wanted to look at that. See, when you don't want something to be the Lord, you can do all kind of mental gymnastics to explain it away. You know, you think. What is that? I don't know. And as soon as you say that, the enemy comes and goes, we don't know what that is. You go, right, we don't know. We don't know what that is. And you confuse your own self. And as I'm sitting there, I saw it. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. That's you. Yes, sir, we'll do it. You'll have to strengthen us. You know that. We'll do it. We'll do it. He said, good. Now let me talk to you about your finances. And as he did, I began to see it just, just exactly 
what needed to change and how to fix it. You see, I did not see the connection between those two things in my mind, but the unwillingness on one part was holding back revelation on another side. Do you see this now? And that's what these guys, they weren't willing to hear the truth. They already made up their minds. Notice. He said, Now this day I have declared it to you, but you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God, nor anything for which he sent me to you. Now therefore know, you're going to die by the sword, and by famine, and by pestilence in the place where you desire to go and sojourn. They got their mind made up. They're going to Egypt. He said, well, go then. You're going to die there. You told me to pray for you. I did. You said, whatever the Lord says, we'll do it. I told you. And you won't. Now, there's some folk in this place. You've been praying. You've been praying about the will of God. You've been praying about the plan of God. And I'm telling you, it's coming your way. Revelation is coming your way. Direction is coming your way. But that's not the biggest thing, now, is it? That's not all there is to it. You need to not only say it, but you need to mean it. And I need to mean it with every fiber of our being. Whatever the Lord says to us, we will do. And not just be talking. But mean it. Right? And even no matter how impossible it looks. No matter how strange it looks. No matter what. You know, I've referred to it. And I hope I'm not saying too much about it. But just recent move that God did with us in Branson. If we hadn't followed through on that, you and I wouldn't be looking at each other tonight. None of this revelation would we have been talking about this week. None of these things, none of the things that this church has done for other churches and ministries would have happened. Why? And you've got to go back. You know, you and I are sitting here looking at each other tonight, but there was a time when it was just me and Phyllis in a room. Thinking, huh? We think we know what our call is. We're happy doing what we're doing. God will tell you things that's different than how you thought. Right? He will show you things and give you direction that's different than how you thought. And no way to see how to do it. No way to see how to make it work. But that's when you ought to start being glad and shouting because you know. I'm tell, I cannot express to you how happy that I did, Phyllis and I did, what he told us to do here. Oh, my, my, what God has done for us in three years. How foolish it would have been to sit on what little we had and said, no, 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 we might mess up and we might lose it. And I don't know, we might go up there and fall and mess up. And no, no, no. God's way works. Now, let's look at a prime example of this. And I think I'm closing. Genesis. 26, get ready to shout. Get ready to shout. Get your shouter warmed up so that you can really shout when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. Glory to God. Mm-mm-mm. Glory to God. 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 Genesis, Genesis 26. Are you there? Man, I like this. Genesis 26, there was a famine in the land. Beside the first famine is in the days of Abraham. And all the children of God starved. Because <laughs> when there's famine in the world, people starve. 
Who's your source? Who's your source? The Lord appeared to him, to Isaac. And what did he tell him? Hmm? Tell me what he told him. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go back. Why did he tell him that? Egypt is a world power. Egypt had the strongest economy. Egypt had the most stuff. Egypt had the most, you know, security in the world. Things are bad. Run to Egypt. You can see it. I mean, how many times have we already read about it? And it's just a handful of what's there. Go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. Go back to Egypt. Devil ever tempted you to go back to Egypt? You know he has. What does that mean? Go back to the way you used to do it. Go back to the way the world does it. Go back to the way men do it. He told Isaac, he said, no, no, you don't. Because Isaac's going, God, there's a famine. People are starving around here. And, of course, everybody's loading up going to Egypt. Ride this thing out. What did he tell him? Don't you go to Egypt. Look at your neighbor and say, don't go. Don't go. Don't go to Egypt. Don't go to Egypt. He said, you stay right here. You stay where I put you. You stay where I put you. You stay where I put you. Just because a factory closes doesn't mean you move. Just because the kinfolks move don't mean you move. Right? You stay where he put you. And he said you do it and I'm going to bless you. You stay in the land I'll tell you of sojourn in this land. I will be with you. I will bless you for unto you and your seed. I'll give all these countries. I'll perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. Glory. He's got the word of the Lord. Doesn't he? What difference does it make? What is going on in the world now? Does he know what to do? You stay. Yeah, but all my friends are going to Egypt, so. All my friends are starting a new program. All my friends are doing this, doing that. No, he told you to stay. Stay. So, verse 12. Isaac sowed in the land. It looks ridiculous. There's a famine in the land. So here, so now, God said stay, God said so here, so he did. And he received in the same year a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Somebody said, well, I don't believe in hundredfold. Isaac does. Is God less in the new covenant than he is in the old? People say, well, I hadn't reaped a hundredfold. Did you do what he did? See, this is one reason a lot of people hadn't reaped a hundredfold. They didn't stay where the Lord told them to stay. They didn't sow where he told them to sow. They didn't do what he told them to do. He reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the man waxed great. And he went, come on, come on, come on. He went, he went forward 
and he grew till he became great. Great. He had possession of flocks, plural. Possession of herds and a great store of servants. And the Philistines envied him. He had so much stuff. We are the children of God. And the prophet said one of the reasons for the children of God. They are for signs and wonders. In the earth the prophet said that he would cause the heathen to tremble. For all the prosperity that he procured on us. But it will not come in me and you going back to Egypt and having our eyes on man and depending on man for everything. He's going to show us some things to do that don't look like it's something you ought to do. He's going to show you something. It looks like there's no way. And if you stand up and you sow your seed, you are going to reap hundredfold and you are going to move forward and you are going to increase and become great. To the glory of God in the earth. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, praise Him some more. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, praise the Lord. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you, praise you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God. Close your eyes. Say it out loud. Lord God. Whatever you show me, whatever you show me and tell me to do, whether I think it's good or bad, I will do it. I will do it. I will trust you. I will obey you by your grace and my faith. I will do it. Hallelujah. It's the key to miracles. Yes, it is the key to miracles. What did Jesus' mother say to him at the feast? Whatever, whatever he says to you, do it. And then what happened? Miracles. 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 Close your eyes. Just praise God some more. Father. Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.